Well, uh, good morning. Glad to be here this morning and again to continue uh, our studies this morning in, uh, in Bible class. And we have been, you know, basically going through some of the parables of the church uh, the past uh, couple of weeks. And we looked a couple of weeks ago at the, um, the value of the church. And, you know, do we really understand how valuable the church is? It's like that treasure, again, that the, the guy went and found it in the field and he buried it back and into the ground and went and sold all that he had just to possess it. You know, that's how valuable the church uh, should be uh, for us. And then last week we talked about the explosive growth of the church. You know, how, how uh, Jesus compared the church uh, to a mustard seed, you know, one of the tiniest seeds that they would have uh, understood in that day. And when it was planted, it, you know, it exploded in growth. And, and that's exactly what we saw uh, with the church throughout history. And we looked at uh, verse after verse after verse in the book of Acts, seeing how, you know, the church started on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and just kept growing and growing and growing. And um, this morning, we're going to still be in Matthew 13, although we'll, we'll start back up in uh, verse 1, and we'll look at uh, this lesson entitled, The Necessary Soil for the Kingdom. So, uh, you know, we're probably, a lot of us are familiar with this, uh, this particular parable of Jesus, because Matthew records it for us, Mark records it for us, and Luke records it for us. So it's in uh, three of the four Gospels. Uh, the parable of the sower. And what we're going to understand, what we're going to notice, is that uh, you know, the, the soil is going to represent the hearts of individuals, and the seed is the Word of God. And so as we uh, teach, as we you know, preach, meaning or that we're, you know, we're spreading the seed, you know, how is it going to affect on the hearts of individuals? And Jesus is going to uh, let us know that basically there's, there's four types of soil, and we'll see that uh, throughout the reading. But again, we want to understand the, the necessary soil for, for the kingdom. Again, Jesus is, the kingdom isn't here yet, which is, represents the church in, in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, but Jesus is saying, you know, when, when that comes, it's going to be like this. And again, he, he uses parables in his teaching. He's taking an earthly thing, and he's giving it a heavenly meaning. And so let's, uh, let's kind of look at this, and we'll discuss a little bit of this as well. But in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it says, that, uh, that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And so uh, Jesus here, he, he's about to teach. And uh, there's such a big crowd. Actually, Luke's account tells us that there were people from various cities. So it wasn't just the people of that town, but there are people coming from all these cities wanting to hear Jesus, to hear his teaching. And there's such a big crowd that he had to get into a boat and, and, and to get away from them so that he could, I guess, probably face all of them as they stood on the beach or sat on the beach and listened to him. And he tells them this parable of the sower. Now, of course, uh, the parables that we've looked at the past couple of weeks have been sprinkled throughout Matthew 13, but this is the first one that he gives. And he's going he's gonna to talk about a farmer who went out to field or went out to his field to sow 
uh, the seed. And again, he's using the common elements of the day. You know, if, if you and I wanted to speak in maybe a parable-like fashion, you know, we might talk to an individual and kind of com, you know, compare the church to a sports team or to an automobile, you know, because that's kind of what you know, we like today. Or maybe that's just myself, and maybe that's not your thing, but you might compare it to something else that you like. But back then, sowing was, or sowing the seed or farming was that thing that everybody commonly understood. And so, uh, you know, it, it's as old as Cain, right? Uh, you know, Cain grew um, uh, vegetables. Uh, we know Cain and Abel from back in Cain and Abel. Uh, and so we know that, you know, it's at least old as that, but of course it goes back to creation and how important farming is to sustaining life. And, and you know, it's proverbial. It's proverbial throughout the Bible. You know, we, we read in places that, you know, whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. Right. So we, we understand that action. You know, if we're going to sow bad things, we're going to reap uh, bad things. If we're going to sow good things, we're going to reap good things. You know, when we sow corn, we're going to reap corn. And so, you know, we understand, again, we understand uh, farming and these analogies. So let's look at Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 3 through 9. And another important thing to um, point out about this parable is Jesus doesn't always uh, explain uh, what the parables meant. And so he's going to lay out this parable and we'll read that, and then uh, the, the disciples are going to ask him about this uh, uh, parable in verses 10 through 17. And, and then Jesus is going to explain you know, why he speaks in parables. And then in verses 18 through 23, he's actually going to explain to them what this meant. And again, Jesus doesn't always explain what the parables mean, um, but he does here in, in this example, in this first one. So let's look, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So, again, Jesus is giving a, a parable, this message that has a heavenly meaning, but he's using um, earthly terminology. And first he says a portion of that seed fell on the wayside or, or, or the footpath. Um, you know, we have to realize, you know, what, in the context, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, Palestine, uh, the land of Israel, you know, some 2,000 years ago. Uh, they didn't have roads like we have roads. Uh, and so, and they didn't, you know, they wouldn't have had fences, you know, like we know of fences. And so, um, you know, people would walk from one place to another. They would usually walk on that same path. And, you know, over... Time um, over the many people walking over it, the, the, the path would become hard, you know, packed down um, th throughout the fields. And, and so Jesus first says that seed that his, um, was, you know, the sower went out to sow his seed and some of that seed fell on that hard soil, that packed down soil. 
And because of that, the seed couldn't penetrate the earth because, it, you know, it's hard. It's packed down and it gets trampled underfoot. You know, people are walking by and they're just trampling on top of the seed or the birds of the air see it. Right. And they swoop down and grab it and take it for, you know, a snack. Right. So that's that's this first scenario of, of the soil. Again, remember, the soil is going to represent the human heart, uh, the human spirit. And so other seed, we're told, fell on rocky ground. Right? So, so we've got some ground uh, that, um, that's got some topsoil on it. But unbeknownst to us, there's a lot of rocks underneath. Okay? And so the seed falls on that. And it, it, just like any, like any soil, it's going to spring up fast. But because the roots can't grow down, you know, it can't uh, sustain itself. It can't go deep. It's got no access to the moisture in the ground. The plant's going to soon, it's soon going to be withered, right? When the sun comes up, it's going to wither away. And so that's the seed that falls on the rocky ground. It accepts it at first, but because it can't take root, um, it's going to die away. And so then Jesus gives a third scenario. He says, some of the seed fell on ground covered with thorns, or, or maybe there were these types of weeds uh, that were thorny in nature. And so uh, these uh, thorns are going to compete with the same ground, the, again, the same moisture, the same uh, sunlight as the seed that's being sown, the, the, the proper seed that, um, that the sower is, is, is sowing. And what's going to do, what's going to happen is they're going to grow up together, but that, that weed or those thorns are going to choke out the, the seedling that was originally sown, planted by the farmer. And then finally, the last scenario he gives is that seed fell on good ground. Okay, so it, this soil is good. And so when harvest time comes, um, this ground is going to, they say, or Jesus says, is going to yield 30 times or 60 times or even 100 times as much as it rig- originally was. Right? So this seed uh, fell on the good soil. It had the proper um, environment, and it grew, and it abounded, and it multiplied 30 or 60 or 100 times. And so that's the soil uh, that we want. Uh, and of course, that's the soil when we go out and sow that you know we we want to look for as well. But then, as Jesus concludes this parable, look at verse ten in Matthew thirteen. It says, "And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak them in parables?'" And Jesus answered to them, "To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has." To him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of the people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have clothed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, 
and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So we, we've kind of talked about this the past couple of weeks of, you know, why Jesus spoke in parables. You know, he's, he's trying to cement truth for uh, time, um, you know, for, for people to understand for ages to come. You know, again, it's, it's, very, it, it's a lot easier to understand, um, you know, something in a parable form than just to be told, you know, what to do. You know, we, we can, again, relate to, to things that are in our daily lives like they did in farming. And so um, it, was in, it was intended to reveal truths, uh, truths about the kingdom to those who were seeking, but to those who uh, were not seeking, to those who were there to maybe cause trouble uh, for Jesus, um, the truth was not revealed to them um, because their hearts weren't receptive to the, these parables that he was giving. And, you know, we, we've talked about this in, in our class on Wednesday night in Ephesians, how when the Bible used the word mystery, what it's really referring to is not something that can never be known, you know, something mysterious and just, you know, it's just you can't ever understand it. But when the Bible used the words mystery, it's talking about something that was once covered, but now it has been revealed. Right? And so these things, uh, his disciples, uh, um, at one time did not know, but now they know. They're getting portions of how the kingdom is going to be like. Right? And he even says here, and down at the bottom of verse 17, he said, you know, the prophets, they long to know these things. And I think it's in Hebrews where he said, or in Peter, First Peter, he talks about how, you know, the angels, they wanted to know these things. You know, the prophets wanted to know these things. The things that they were speaking, the things that they were prophesying, they had no idea of, of what time and what people they were talking about. And they longed to know that. But now, you know, these, these people in the days of Jesus, they're getting that understanding. And we have that understanding, too, because we have the revealed uh, word for us. It's interesting what Paul said. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse uh, 6, about this, he said, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages of our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. Now listen to this, verse 8. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Right? He's saying, Paul's saying if they would have understood um, this mystery, right, the, the, these mysteries, um, if it would have been revealed to them, they would have never had crucified Christ. And so, again, Jesus is teaching in these parables and this was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 6, and that's what Matthew here is recording for us. And Jesus is quoting right from uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And, um, and so then after that, Jesus in verses 18 through 23 is going to actually explain to them what this parable means. So let's, let's read that as well, and then we'll kind of jump in and, and discuss um, about each of these uh, soils, these conditions of the heart. But in verse 18... He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places 
This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but it is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Verse 22, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And then verse 23, and the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. So again, this is a, a very unique parable where Jesus explains uh, what he means. And he's pointing out the responsibility uh, of an individual that we have as hearers. Right? It, we have the responsibility to be hearers. And then he explains that the seed is the kingdom, or the seed of the kingdom is God's word. Right? So, so here's the seed. This is what represents the seed, is God's word. And the sower, who is, is someone who is you know, he's, he's faithfully preaching God's word. And these, again, these four soils are going to represent uh, the condition of the human heart. And so the first one, uh, he, again, is the wayside soil, uh, the seed that falls beside the road. And this road, remember, it's packed down. It's hard. It's impenetrable at this point. And it represents a person who has, you know, they've closed, closed their mind completely to God's word. You know, planting seed on this ground doesn't make sense, does it? It's like going out into the parking lot and throwing seed on the parking lot. It doesn't make sense to do that. And probably what the sower was doing was, you know, he was trying to uh, sow his entire field, um, attempting to reach every corner of it. You know, uh, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, that God desires that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so this sower is sowing his seed, and he's trying to reach every part of his field. But because of that, you know, some of it's just falling right by his leg, right down on the ground, right by that path that he's walking on. And so what happens to that seed, right? That seed is uh, environmentally challenged, right, because it's, it's on top of the soil. It can't penetrate into the soil. It can't uh, germinate. So what happens to that seed? Well, as Jesus explains to us, some hear the word, but they don't believe. Right? The soil of their heart, it's not been prepared. It's not been tilled. And it's hard. Why is that? Why, why would the soil of this individual uh, be hardened? Let's look at what the Hebrews writer says something about this in Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 12. I think this will help us answer this question. In Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 12, uh, the writer here says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. All right, so um, we can understand that the, the ground, uh, this ground, this wayward soil, 
um, it, it, it's hardened, it's packed down uh, because of the deceitfulness of sin, because of sin. Again, th- there's no way for this seed to get into the ground. There's no way for it to germinate. And so it gets either crushed underfoot as people are walking by or the birds of the air come down and swoop up and, and get that uh, seed. You know, it, we can think of the, the sower. Uh, the sower could have taught these individuals, could have preached to these individuals with, with conviction. He could have done it effectively. But Jesus says that in the end, the devil comes along and takes away the word from their heart so they do not believe and receive uh, that salvation. Now, uh, we're not going to take the time to read each account, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But it's interesting to see uh, in Matthew's account, he, he refers to him as the evil one. Again, in verse uh, 19, it says, when, uh, it says, the evil one comes and snatches away. And Mark, he says, Satan. Right? He says that it's Satan who does this. And Luke gives us even a, di- a different description. He says the devil. Right? So we've got the evil one. We've got Satan. We've got the devil. Of course, this is all a one individual uh, that, that's causing these problems. And, and we're reminded of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 4, he says, In whose case the God of this world, okay, the God of this world is in reference to Satan or the devil or the evil one, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All right, so because of the deceitfulness of sin, because of you know, the sinful lifestyle that people um, live in, uh, who, who want nothing to do with God, who want nothing to do with, with Christ and his church, uh, says that the, the God of this world, against Satan, he blinds their minds. He blinds them so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Right? The, again, the deceitfulness of sin, Hebrews 3, is why um, you know, this type of soil, it's really, you know, it's packed down. You can't uh, penetrate it. Um, you know, if you're preaching to them, teaching to them again from God's word, it's not penetrating because their hearts are hardened and the bird again is going to come away and snatch it right up. And it doesn't mean that people um, who hear the word you know, aren't responsible, right? Some, someone might say, well, well, it's Satan's fault, right? Satan comes and snatches it away. Uh, but w- would that make sense? I guess that's the question I'm trying to ask or to get, to get around is, does, does it make sense that it's the individual's responsibility or can we blame it on Satan? Is it our responsibility um, at, the, at the foremost to um, accept this, accept the word, to prepare our hearts, again, to till it or, or to prepare it? But, but notice again, notice um, how fast Satan works here. Notice how fast the devil works here. In Matthew's account, it says the evil one comes and snatches it away. Right? That word snatches, that, you know, that signifies that you know, he came in and he didn't just come over and just you know, take it at some point. He, he came in and he snatched it away. Right? He wanted to get it out, get that seed away from uh, the field before or as fast as he could. He snatched it out of there. Mark in his account, he says that immediately Satan comes and takes it away. So again, Satan is working fast, right? He's working fast. Uh, Luke doesn't necessarily give us um, any um, 
speed to which uh, how fast Satan works, but he just says the devil comes and takes it away. But he understands that time is uh, of the essence, right? Why do you think that is? Let me ask that. Why do you think it is that Satan immediately comes and takes the seed away, the word of God away from uh, the potential of growing? Exactly. Right? The, 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 or the longer something you know, works, um, the, the longer it has to grow, it's going to be harder for uh, Satan to, uh, the devil, to go you know, and to um, convince this individual uh, to turn away from the word of God. You know, it's, like, it's much easier for a bird to swoop down and scoop up a watermelon seed than it is for him to come down and scoop up a watermelon, right? Uh, in the seed form, uh, it's easier for him to do that. Uh, he's not going to be able to do that to a full-grown watermelon, right? And so he understands, and this is probably his best tactic, right, to come in and swoop down and to uh, remove that seed before it even has a chance to work on an individual's heart. And again, we could spend all morning discussing, you know, what, what those barriers are. You know, atheism, worldliness, false teaching, um, family influence of family and friends, our own selves. But we notice that the first, um, the first soil that Jesus is, is showing us in this parable is there are those out there uh, who have hardened hearts, right? The soil of their heart is hardened, and so it's... it's it's extremely hard to penetrate those. And, and so the second one, he talks about, again, the rocky soil. The, uh, it's a shallow soil. It represents a person who fails to think out carefully what they've heard. And, and these are interesting ones, these next two, because we're, we're moving from someone who was, um, who was hard-hearted to now you know, half-hearted. Um, you know, it starts with, you know, you think, of, think of, you know, if you've ever planted a garden. Um, you know, maybe you've put, made a small garden in your, your yard or something like that. Um, you're going to pick, what kind of ground are you going to pick? You're going to pick something that is probably smooth, that there's few impediments. Um, you know, and then you're going to till the ground up right there. And you're probably going to, um, or at least what happened to me is you, you know, your, your grandpa takes you into that a field and makes you pick up all the rocks and put them in buckets and, you know, get them out of there because you don't want those rocks in the way of your crops growing. And, and, you know, and you want room for the roots to grow as well. And so here we have representing those who believe but take no firm root. And he warns us that there is going to be um, the, the initial contact with this soil it might seem successful, right? It's, it seems like it, it took root and, and it's successful and the hearer receives the word with joy and belief. But however, as Jesus tells us, when they face their inevitable battles with temptation, they fall away. Again, it's not, the problem is not within the seed. The problem is not with the sower. It's not with the sun, but the, it's, it's the soil. It's the rocky soil and, of course, when we think of a, you know, a plant, you know, the job of the root is to 
uh, stabilize the plant, right, and to provide uh, food and water for it. And as the plant gets bigger, you know, the root's going to need to get bigger, and it's going to need to increase to help offset uh, the needs of that plant. And when we think of, uh, you know, the, this situation, it might be uh, a little bit un- of an uncomfortable uh, situation for us. You know, uh, we think of, you know, maybe you can think of an individual um, that, you know, that was taught and they, they get into the baptistry and they're baptized. And, you know, they become a member of the congregation. They're on fire. Uh, they're excited. But then, you know, as you see... Um, throughout their lives, you know, some of their older baggage starts to come back into their lives, and these battles come back, and you can see this in their heart, and they succumb, um, you know, to maybe that old sin uh, that they once had uh, had hold of their life. You know, I can think of an example uh, back uh, back home uh, with the congregation that we uh, worshipped with, and there was a young lady who. Um, was associated with Angela and I, uh, and we invited her, you know, into the home, and we were studying the gospel with her, and we did that for a period of a couple of months, and eventually, um, you know, we uh, asked the preacher there to study with her as well, and one night we found out that she was baptized, right, and we were excited for her, and we were extremely, you know, happy and and rejoiceful uh, because of that, and you know, things were great for a couple of months. But then there were some questions uh, that she started having. You know, these all, the questions all centered around uh, one, um, one element of her past life. You know, uh, are you saying that the Bible says I can't you know, drink alcohol anymore? You know, I can't go out with my friends and, uh, you know, go, go to the bars anymore? Uh, this, you know, is this the life that... Um, I'm going to have to live now. And because of that, you know, she took a few steps back. It seemed like every week. I mean, she was a faithful member for those two months, more faithful than a lot of the other individuals. She'd come into every service. But then these things started creeping back into her lives. You know, her, her family's influence and the lives that they were living was influencing her. And she started taking these steps back. And eventually, she was gone. Right? That's what... The, the soil, uh, the rocky soil that Jesus is talking about here in, in Matthew chapter 13 is representing is someone who, you know, they take, they take root and they shoot up, but because they can't get down into that moisture, because they can't get stabilized, they are going to wither, you know, after a short period of time and, and be gone. And so just like a garden needs healthy surroundings for optimum growth, right, so does the human heart. Right? We can ask ourselves, you know, what are we doing to help a Christian's growth? You know, what are we helping to, or what are we doing to help a new Christian's growth? Um, you know, are we being hospitable to them? Are we, you know, bringing them into our homes and, you know, and getting them acquainted uh, with the, the people within the congregation? Are we showing our love to them? And, or, or is it just... You know, the point of just getting them baptized and then just hoping that they figure out things on their own. Right? But we, we need to understand that they might have these rocks, you know, in their lives uh, that we need to help, you know, get them out of there. Right? In this rocky soil. And so, so there's the second th- soil. Uh, you know, again, 
how deep was their love? Um, again, it's not about how they start, but it's how they finish. Okay, and so we see that there's a wayward soil that, you know, that, that you just can't penetrate. And then we see that there's this rocky soil, which the seed uh, makes it in there, but it doesn't have sustainable life. And this third one that Jesus gives is the thorny soil. It's that individual who loves and cares the pleasures of life more than God's kingdom, we're told. See, with the, again, the hard ground, the seed does not get in. The rocky ground, the seed gets in partially. But with the thorny soil, the seed gets in all the way, but something is going to interfere with its uh, life, with its growth. And this is going to re represent those who believe but are unfruitful, and they allow such to choke God's word uh, out of their lives. And, you know, I mentioned in the past soil, the, the rocky soil, that, you know, it's, it's somewhat uh, an uncomfortable situation, right? Because we may know these individuals. Well, in the, the, the thorny soil is as well, because, again, these may be individuals that um, you, we see on a regular basis, that we worship with on a regular basis. Uh, be, but because of what Jesus is going to say uh, in these verses, um, they just can't give their whole hearts. They're, they're filled with other things. So let's, uh, let's notice this. Uh, Jesus says that they are choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. So again, he warns that the worries and the cares of the world are going to choke some um, away from God's uh, word. Uh, right? That the soil of their heart, uh, because of these weeds, these thorns, because of worries and cares of the world, um, you know, they're going to put those things before God. And then he says, um, he says another thing, uh, the deceitfulness of riches. Right? These are another thing, another layer of things that are going to choke the word of God out of people's lives. And um, Matthew doesn't give us this one, but Luke and Mark give us another one. But Mark says, the desire of other things. In Mark 4, verse 19, or Luke says in Luke 8, verse 14, he says the pleasures of this life. When we think of the pleasures of this life, you know, pleasures can be a good thing and pleasures can be a bad thing. You know, some of us have pleasures of life. You know, we like to hunt or, or fish or to watch sports or to bake or, or whatever. You know, the pleasures aren't inherently evil, but there are some pleasures um, that... Uh, that are. Uh, remember in Hebrews chapter 11 when uh, the Hebrews writer was talking about Moses and said that he chose uh, to go uh, to be with his, uh, his brethren in, in um, Egypt or to go into the wilderness with them rather than stay in Egypt and, and live with the, the, the passing pleasures of this life. You know? Um, you know, again, pleasures aren't inherently evil, but do they pull us away from God? You know, that's what Jesus is getting at, is are those pleasures competing for a space in our hearts with our love for God? Uh, there, there was this great illustration I wanted to uh, mention. I know we're running short on time, but in 1883, President Chester A. Arthur and the governor of New York at this time was Grover Cleveland, and they dedicated the Brooklyn Bridge before more, more than 14,000 people. Right? So there's a lot of people in New York at this time. And three days later, there was a woman who was uh, walking up the steps uh, to the Brooklyn Bridge, 
and she tripped and fell. And because of that, her friend saw that, and her friend let out a great scream and yelled. And from that scream, you know, there, a rumor got started that the bridge was starting to collapse. And so people were frightened, and they started panicking. And because of that, you know, 12 people reportedly were killed, and 35 were injured. And we see this also today, you know, in, uh, if you've ever seen like a, a soccer event overseas, you know, and you've ever seen like something happens within the stands and people just are, they're, they're crowding each other and they're suffocating each other, or they're trampling each other. You know, that, that's kind of the same thing uh, here that, you know, Jesus is telling us. Uh, um, are our hearts being suffocated by these things in the world, right? This riches, the pleasures of this life, these other things, are we competing for space in our hearts? You know, how free is our hearts? Do other things in our lives rival God? Are we having a decreasing concern for the lives of others? Are we lessening uh, respect for ourselves? You know, again, um, uh, the, the thorny soil, right? The thorny soil, uh, those people who uh, hear the word of God and they accept it, they believe, but, you know, they're letting these other things compete in their lives um, other than, you know, God and, and his church. And so then finally, he gives us the last soil. Again, this is the good soil. This is the person who understands, who hears and receives and keeps with patience the word of God. And they believe and they're fruitful, they're faithful. And again, this is what we are striving for. This is what we want you know, the, the word is convicting us, it's changing us, it's making us better people, and we want to cling to it and refuse to let go. And, you know, again, these are the ones that Jesus is going to say one day, well done, good and faithful servants. Now, again, I know we, we've kind of rushed through that last one uh, just because of time constraints, but let's kind of, just in the couple minutes we have, um, if we can make some application about this uh, scripture, these scriptures, you know, and some some ideas, you know, we, we all must be sowers, right? We all have access to the seed, right? We all have access to the seed, and so we must all be sowers. And, and we all possess a soil type, again, a condition of our hearts. And so, um, you know, um, is, it, is it wayside? Is it rocky? Is it thorny? Or is it the good soil? Is it receptive? Remember what James said in James 1.22? He said, not only are we to be hearers of the word, but we should be also what? Doers, right. It's not enough just to hear the word, but we need to be doing those things as well. Um, and again, that, that's going to be the, the good soil. That's going to be this, this soil that the, the word of God falls upon, and we're going to follow that. And so, uh, we, again, we need to recognize uh, that we are all, um, we're all to be sowers. And... And we should not, you know, you know, maybe we're, we can't analyze the soil of everyone's heart. You know, that, that's what Jesus could do, but we couldn't do that. But that doesn't mean we still, uh, you know, spread the seed. So um, I appreciate your attention this morning. And um, as we studied the, necessar the necessary soil for the, the kingdom, I believe uh, Brother Jimmy has our closing prayer for us.